2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Sports Radio is back.
0: Rise son. Last Bouchard
3: score. Stay hot. Evan Bouchard, a howitzer. Two-nothing. 99 plus on that one.
0: The Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Debo Samuel, oh oh, Debo
4: Samuel, one man to beat. He's going to beat him. Touchdown, 49ers. Presented by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Milrow scans the field to the end zone, and it's caught. Jermaine Burton.
1: Magnificent Monday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to The Gregor Show on Sports 1440 and Oilers Nation. YouTube is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where 100% of the revenue stays right here in the lovely province of Alberta. PlayAlberta.ca. C A uh, what a weekend for the uh, Edmonton Oilers the fans uh, Oilers have now won 7 in a row they are rolling I and mean, they have the uh, Chicago Blackhawks in town tomorrow night Connor Bedard will make his first appearance I'm sure many will have Connor versus Connor as a as a storyline I understand it right? I think it's probably a little bit unfair for Connor Bedard I right? like no offense he's a rookie and Chicago's terrible and the Oilers are probably going to spank him Chicago comes in, they've lost six in a row on the road. The Oilers have won seven overall, but they've also won their last seven home games. They haven't lost a home game under uh, Knobloch and Coffee. They've been much better. And I'm sure uh, season ticket holders are people that go to games. I don't care. You go to one game, you go to 10 games, whatever. The uh, Oilers started the season 1-4-1 and one on home ice. Not good. But uh, since then, they are 7-0. And, oh, and And, man, every facet of their game is rolling right now. Like, they're not just winning games. They're dominating games. And, like, they've outscored teams 34 to 12 in this uh, seven-game winning streak. They're giving up less than two goals a game. Their penalty kill is 95%. Their power play is 43%. They're 55% in the face-off circle. There's virtually nothing that you would look at and be like, "Geez, a little concerned about this right now. Every facet's going. Offense, defense, goaltending. You bring in Calvin Pickard. He didn't get a lot of rubber early, but in the third period, he was excellent. And that's what you want for your backup. Stuart Skinner gets an extra day off, can relax. Now they had a full day off today. Uh, I would fully, I'm going to play Skinner. The reason why, because I know we've already got texts coming in at uh, 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. People wondering, hey, do you go back to Pickard? I don't, and here's why. I don't want to give Embly any semblance that there's a competition here. Because there isn't one. We know who the starter is. We know who the backup is. Support each other, great. They know their role. Um, It was one game by Calvin Pickard. But one game after Stuart Skinner hasn't lost his last six starts, why would I go back to Calvin Pickard? To me, it uh, it wouldn't be wise. I wouldn't do it. Unless he's got an injury, which I'm pretty sure he doesn't. So uh, I go back to Stuart Skinner, and I would actually probably, I think Skinner plays the next four. And then Calvin Pickard, I'm not recalling Jack Campbell. I take Pickard with me on the road, and he gets one of those back-to-backs next Thursday, Friday. And then you come out of the uh, Christmas break, and uh, they play, I think it's in San Jose, then they have a back-to-back L.A. Anaheim, and he gets another one there. So Skinner, in a stretch of 10 games, will start seven. If you expand that over a season, that's 56 starts. It's not a crazy number. Maybe it's slightly high, so Pickard keeps playing well. Then guess what? Maybe there's a stretch where he plays four of one 10-game stretch. It's very possible. But uh, the way the orders are playing defensively, it makes it life a lot easier for the goalies. When called upon, they do their job. They make some saves. Power play scores. Penalty kill doesn't get scored on. Five on five. Good production, another big goal from their fourth line to open up the scoring after the first line and second lines that man, they had a lot of chances early on yesterday. Couldn't score, and then Derek Ryan got them going. And the orders, it's it's amazing how quickly things change. Now, the orders were a good team. We said this all along at the start of the year. They're a good team playing horribly. Now they're back to being a really good team. And and remember, the orders like they were a dominant team down the stretch last year, right? They, they won 28 of their last 36 games and lost three of them in overtime. They only went five games out of 36 where they didn't get a point. They were really good. And uh, they're good again. And uh, now I think it uh, alleviates the pressure. There's not as much of a rush for the organization to look and go out and say, do we have to upgrade our, our backup? They still might. They probably will. But when you don't have to make a trade – from a position of desperation, it's easier to make a trade. And now all of a sudden the team's like, "Well, hey, especially if Calvin Pickard plays now, one game is one game." All that does is it means, you know what? You get through the end of the month that uh, Calvin Pickard can play two more games. Then you reevaluate in January. It's always a moving, it's not just they say, "Well, Calvin Pickard's our guy now for the rest of the year." I don't think it's that easy. It's he's your backup for the rest of the month. Pretty simple. That's good. And away you go. On the show today we got uh, lots to discuss. Uh, Otani, we will uh we'll get to that. Uh disappointing for uh Jays fan. Maybe maybe not a massive shock but still uh disappointing nonetheless. Uh, Andy Petrillo will be by lots of soccer talk to get to uh Grant Fedorik will uh join us. We are going to talk um uh when you when you have a fractured kneecap. Uh, what what's the degrees of challenges as far as when you can come back. We'll talk about that. Uh, Also, we'll go to Detroit. Man, what a weekend in the National Hockey League. Some suspensions all over the ball. There's going to be some suspensions. you got hearings all over the place, so we'll get to that. Uh, David Perron just lost his marvels. I understand, you know, it looks scary on the ice. You see Dylan Larkin knocked unconscious. He's out. And really, when I've watched that replay so many times, Joseph runs into him, but we have seen much worst looking hits and that's why hey it's never it should never be the result it's what happens with the hit now that one you know, joseph's not even get suspended for because i'm not even sure what you could suspend him for and that's really unfortunate maybe more than anything else but then Peron just goes after zoob cross checks him right in the side of the head like i get he's frustrated but that's never going to go over then you have cousins all right. Like, Evander Kane on Friday got away with a hit from behind. That's, that should be a penalty all day. All day. Why the NHL refuses to want to crack down on hits from behind, I don't understand. So then you see what happens yesterday. Eric Gabranson is going behind that. He's not in a, he didn't put himself in a vulnerable position. Anybody who tries to tell me that Gabranson's at fault, I have no idea what you're watching. Cousins hits him clearly. Right in the middle of the back between the number fours. Right in the middle of the back. Catapults him into the boards. They review it and only deem it a minor. (laughs) No clue why. So what happens? Now Gabranson's mad. After Cousins sits his minor penalty, the next time they're out together, Gabranson goes right after him. I actually don't even have a problem with it. I don't love it, but he had his glove on. He's pounding him with his glove on. He'll probably get a game, maybe two. But Cousins, I'm sorry. He was full full marks for what Gabranson did there. I'm sorry. That's a gutless play by Cousins. It's a gutless play. Now, you want to hit a guy from behind, maybe think twice. Definitely don't hit a guy who's not afraid to stand up for himself like Gabranson is. Gabranson's not afraid to fight. He'll fight anybody. And he doesn't care. I kind of respect it, to be honest. I'm so tired of hits from behind. It's so cheap. But guess what? The NHL doesn't care. They cared enough to reduce Headshots. Remember when headshots were a big thing? And not that long ago, about a decade ago, they were rampant. Chicken-winging guys all over the place. Suddenly, why? Players don't do it anymore. Hmm. What's changed? Oh, that's right. Because the league cracked down and said, enough's enough. We're not doing it anymore. And now you don't see players. They go in for hits, but magically they can keep their elbows to their side. They don't magically got chicken wings all over the place. You don't see it. Because the players are smart and they can adapt. Now, you'll say, Gregor, they should stop not doing it themselves. Sure. But sometimes you have to protect them from themselves. They want to be aggressive. Players are always looking to get an advantage. And if they can hit a guy from behind, they'll do it. They don't go out purposely to do it, but they don't stop themselves from doing it. But guess what? They will, if the punishment is severe, start hammering down on guys, kick them out of the game right away, then it's suspensions, and guess what? Then it stops. It's that simple. Then it stops. You want to put in a wording that says, guess what? Because you can still hit guys with their head down. We've seen hard hits. Right? You hit him in the chest. Right? If a, if a guy's dumb enough and wants to turn at the last second, put himself in harm's way, and he gets hit, well, guess what? Boo-hoo. I don't have much sympathy for that. But if you look at the cane hit on Friday... Rodine didn't just turn at the last second. That was a clear hit from behind. Just like Cousins on Gabranson. Those hits got to be taken out of the game. There's no need for them. They don't help anyone. Also on the show today, man, uh, a recap, and if you missed it on Friday, we had a, an unbelievable day. Ended up uh, raising $25,350 for adopt a Teen. It was amazing. I love it. So the month of giving great. Today, a really awesome package. You will get a luxury suite for the Oilers game on January 18th versus the Seattle Kraken. Now, this is a 12-person suite. It comes with two parking passes underground, right? So, yeah, you come in a group. Also, you'll get a $750 food and beverage credit to use in the suite, right? Uh, uh, myself, Sean Brown, if you want us to pop in, or at the games, we'd gladly do it. So, that's up to you. That's your choice. Add a bonus, but uh, either way, the uh, suite will be yours on the January eighteenth game against the Seattle Kraken. Which uh, I got to double check, but I'm looking at my calendar, Connor. I'm pretty sure that's an eight, uh, that's a Thursday. If I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, so there you go. It's that easy. So if you want in, you can text in 833-401-1440. 833-401-1440. We are helping out the Christmas Bureau today. If you want in, where you go. Uh, also, uh, another crazy weekend in the National Football League. Man, the Detroit Lions, nothing comes easy for the Lions. Or, or maybe the Chicago Bears. Look at some of the numbers for Justin Fields. When you start looking at his numbers, it's like, hey, Bears fans, maybe you just keep Justin Fields and you use those two draft picks and fill out the rest of your roster. Maybe. We'll see what happens, but uh, the uh, Eagles get pounded again. the uh, The Chiefs. Well, he was just a little offside. <laughs> it's a terrible comment by Pat Mahomes. You're either offside or you're not offside. To say that you don't like the call when every replay shows he was offside. Like, what do you mean you don't want to call it? Don't line up offside. It's pretty simple. Like he was, he was offside by like a good foot. It wasn't like it was an inch. Was a foot, and yeah, it sucks. You know what? Uh, you had the touchdown that would have put you in the lead. Well, don't line up offside, Connor. Where do you come out on this?
3: Oh yeah, Gregor. I mean, it's obvious. Uh, I retweeted a picture of the just before it was snapped. It's it's ridiculous. And if you're not going to call that one. Why don't you call the right tackle, Juwan uh, Taylor, because he was about two feet behind the center's belt line. He was lined up in a legal formation as well. So there's a couple directions they could have gone. But yeah, it's black and white. It's uh, it's glass over the boards in hockey. That's the rule. If you don't like it, don't do it. It's as simple as that. And yeah, he was ticked off. I mean, I get it because when you play football and you're a receiver, I mean, I, I learned this at Shep. You always look at that, that line judge or the ref to the side. Hey, am I good? And he'll give you the nod. Canarias, Tony, did not do that. Uh, Andy reconfirmed confirmed that today. So don't be mad at the refs. Go talk to your teammate and make sure he doesn't make a boneheaded mistake because that's the problem, not the refs.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm sorry. It's not, uh, you know what, the, the Chiefs. Hey, I, you know what? Be that upset at your receivers for constantly dropping balls, right? Come on. Like, look how many more drops they had in that game. It's unbelievable. Like, I get why he's frustrated. So he doesn't want to take it out on his teammates. He takes it out on the ref, whatever easy thing to do it's not a great look right Andy Reedy oh it's embarrassing for the NFL why is it embarrassing Andy it's embarrassing that you think it's embarrassing that's what's embarrassing it's a pretty clear record I mean sorry it's a pretty clear rule he lined up offside now I don't know are we going to go through every play how many times the guys line up offside is that their argument if you can show me video evidence that they allow teams to line up offside all the time and you're never calling it well then he's got a point But I would need to see video evidence of that. Show me all the cases here lately where guys are clearly lining up offside and they're not getting called. If that's true, then he's right. But I would need to see the evidence of that. Something tells me the Chiefs won't do that because they're going to make the NFL look bad. But somebody out there, some diehard NFL person, will go through and find all the cases if you want, if there's that many. And don't just show me one, because think about how many plays there are and how many snaps there are every game. How often does it happen? It's um, it's not a good look for the Chiefs. But, man, what about the uh, the races in uh, in both of the uh, AFC and the NFC? And a huge game tonight for uh, Miami to, uh, to get a victory. If they do, then uh, they stay on pace with Baltimore otherwise they will uh, drop to 9 and 4 they're still in second place but if they win they're two points up or two games up on both the jags and the chiefs which uh, with four games to go puts them in pretty good situation to be either the number 1 or the number 2 seed meanwhile in the nfc the niners and the cowboys are nine are both 10 and 3 along with the eagles Woo-hoo! it's going to be a great race down the stretch in the uh, nfc cuz the number 1 seed the big advantage is you don't have to face number 2 and number 3 until the final uh, until the third round So that's a huge, huge advantage. 833-401-1440. We uh, open up the bidding. Uh, Dan has it at uh, $1,500. Well, there we go. Dan, good opening, Volley. Of course, uh, if you missed it, it's for the uh, suite. Take your company, your friends, 12 of you, with the $750 food beverage for the orders and the Seattle Kraken on the 18th. Are the orders, are they going to lose before then? Hey, They might not. Tomorrow could be eight straight wins for the Edmonton Orders. Last year, of course, if you remember, they finished the season on a nine-game winning streak, which tied the franchise record. The Orders have a chance this week to set the franchise record if they can beat Chicago, Tampa, and Florida. Not going to be easy, but it ain't impossible either. So, we'll see. That would would also be a a 10-game winning streak on home ice. Not bad at all. Hey, guys, Campbell shouldn't sniff the NHL the rest of the year. Pickard shows he's fine enough backup that needed every five or six. The $1.1 million in cap savings is more important than having Jack happy. Unfortunately, he's a great guy. It's not fun for him. Imagine what happens when Leon gets going from Steve in a truck. Well, Steve, again, one game is not where I'm going to, oh, I'm going to plant my flag and say Pickard is now the guy going forward. It's one game, right? So um, th- I'm not going to do that. Uh he deserves and, and he earns the next game. That's where I'm at really on the backup situation. I uh I'm not gonna make a, a real statement on that. Hey Gregor, if they win ten in a row, do you get to shave your head? I wish Bones. No. Connor didn't put that one. Although I do have to give Connor Halley credit, because Connor Halley called the Edmonton Orders were going to win eight in a row. That's what he said. They're at seven. And now you got Chicago, which would seemingly be the easiest one. I'm not gonna say it's a guarantee because we know what happens that way. But, uh, Conman, I will give you credit. Your uh, your voodoo tea leaves <laughs> have so far looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean,
3: hey, it was quite confident. They owed you, and I knew they were going to go on a run here. The, this, to me, this schedule was favorable with the teams coming in. I know they're good teams, but the, uh, the fatigue was going to play a factor. I'm confident again for tomorrow. I'm really confident in my eight-game prediction. We'll go from there after that. Tampa, Florida could be a little bit tougher, but the way they're playing, Gregor, why not make it a perfect 10? Why not? We'll see.
1: Well, don't get cocky, man. Just get to eight first. (laughs) Just get to eight first. Uh, We will take a a quick break. Uh, Bronte will join us. We have uh, Andy Petrillo. She's moving up a little because she's got a Christmas party to go to, big uh, Monday night Christmas party. So uh, Andy will join us a little bit earlier today on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 224, welcome back. Monday edition of The Gregor Show on Sports 14.0. 40 Oilers Nation uh, YouTube, you can always get involved in our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440. Be wise, winterize, stop in, uh, no appointment necessary, warranty approved, get your oil changed now because the cold is coming. Uh Justin is into uh, as up to $2,000 now on our uh, month of giving package today, a uh, bargoon uh, right now, but hey, Got to build it up. It's all good. Uh, you're going to get the suite, 12-person uh, suite to the Euler game against the Seattle Kraken on January 18th. Okay, that includes uh, two parking passes for you. So uh, if it's you know January, it can be a little chilly at times. So uh, that allows you to be uh, parking underground, right? Then you uh, just walk up to the elevator, right up to the uh, suite level. It's a Thursday night, which really, for a lot of people, it's like the start of the early weekend. Against the Kraken, the orders have had lots of success against the Kraken. Your odds are much better that you'll see a win, and you'll also get seven hundred and fifty dollars uh, credit for uh, food and beverage that night. So, steal a video right now at uh, two thousand. We're helping out the Christmas bureau cons. We got a bid. We got a bid. Uh, Darren took it up to four thousand. Ooh, now I see Darren knows the value. <laughs> there we go. No messing around. Okay, boom. I like it. Up to uh, four G's. There we go. 833-401-1440. You can text that line or you can uh, call it. Let's get now to the oil report brought to you by Volvo Cars Edmonton.com where uh, you want to stop. You want great service? Well, the best place in town when you're thinking of Volvo, of course, is Volvo Cars Edmonton. They are the number one Volvo dealership in all of Canada. Not just because of their sales, but because of their service because people keep coming back and how they're treated. It's a key at com. We uh welcome in uh, Robin Brownlee from uh, Orders Nation. Uh Robin, the Orders have uh, won seven in a row. They're back to 500. I, I think they're kind of back to the team that they were last year. They were 500 through 20 games and then uh, started rolling uh, this year. They're 500 through 25 games. Uh, they had 28 points last year, so slightly below. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by the time we get to Christmas that the Orders probably have the same amount of points they had now. They also won 14 or last 15 games, so I get that that's maybe a tad misleading. But this team is now looking like the team many expected them to be at the start of the season.
4: Well, yeah, absolutely, and and you know what, Jason? I mean, they've obviously had to be hot to make up ground, and and they're not going to continue to play at this pace. But the the fact is, they're right back when you look at at what the wild cards doing the the wild the three wild card teams I see ahead of them they have games in hand on all those teams right now so they are right back in that mix you look at uh Nashville's played 28 Arizona 26 St. Louis 27 the Oilers played 25 games so they're right back in the hunt um they've made up a lot of ground they've you know they can they've got room to catch their breath now they can't catch their breath and relax because they dug themselves that hole, but they're in the mix. Now it doesn't have to be hair on fire hockey, uh, you know, from here until April to be back in it.
1: Oh God. No, not, not at all. They, uh, um, you know, Nashville's rolling good, but um, you know, the orders are a good team and uh, playoffs was even when they were at the start, we said on the show many times, the orders are going to make the playoffs, right? Uh, home ice advantage uh, would seem like a long shot, uh, for the Edmonton owners. But uh, you just got to get in. And then anything can happen. Obviously it's a little bit tougher of a road. Because you've, they play the better teams early. But if you want to beat the good teams. You're going to have to beat them at some point. So it probably doesn't matter. But to me the fashion that they're winning. Is what's impressive here. They've they've really limited their uh, defensive miscues. They've limited the amount of high danger chances. New Jersey who came into the game. As the fourth highest scoring team in the league. The number one power play in the league. They had two High danger chances to the first forty
4: minutes. First forty minutes of the game. Yeah, you know what they're they're playing a, a more predictable, a safer, a less helter skelter uh, style of defense. They, uh, you know, they're jamming up the front of the net. They're not getting beat uh, off the rush and the thing is it's consistent uh, I'm looking during the 7 game streak if I've got it down right you now 12 goals against uh in that stretch you're going to win a lot of hockey games if you're only allowing uh 12 goals in 7 games it's it's as easy as that 35-4 counting the credit for one in the in the shootout so that i mean when you talk plus minus and goals for and goals against uh, that's the kind of margin that just wasn't there earlier in the season, and do they keep up that pace? I'm not so sure. But again, they're right back in the mix, and they don't have to, to play at this rate. They just have to play uh, at the kind of hockey they've shown they're capable of, and it's been a very it's been a very steady group. I mean, five nothing, eight two, five four three one six one four three and four one. That's consistently good defense, and that's what we were lamenting—the lack of that for that whole first dozen games of the season.
1: You look at—you know—Connor McDavid is obviously back to to playing well, uh, which shouldn't surprise anybody. To me, that the most noticeable change has come on the poise and the decision making on the back end. I—I'm really trying to find a time that I can think of where you know we saw one of those glaring giveaways by the by the orders. Um, you know, that results in a goal against or even a high danger chance. I know Leon Dry said, I'll put a backhand pass, uh, into the slot area. I didn't love it, but you know what? It was, it didn't result yeah. in anything. It's, it's not a play you'd love to see, but whatever. It happened. Um, but their defensemen, like Bouchard, Nurse, go down the list, DeHarnay, like they're all making way more plays with the puck. And like Darnell Nurse, honestly, I think this is the best stretch of hockey I've ever seen him play. He, he should have been, he should have been the first star of the game yesterday. He was unbelievable offensively and defensively yesterday. I thought it was great.
4: Yeah. You know what? He's And I made a joke the other day. You're, nobody's talking about how much Darnell nurse makes right now. And that's because he's playing at both ends of the rink uh, as well as I remember Jason. Um, and, and you've been around the team uh, more than I have since he, since he arrived. Um, I haven't seen him look better than this, and let's not forget uh, Evan Bouchard. We know about the point streak now and and, uh, what he's doing on that end, but what was the big beef and lament about Evan Bouchard all the way along until now? It was always, well, that's great, but look at that mistake. Uh, He doesn't compete hard enough. Oh, he's too casual coming back back on that guy, um, or, he, you know, he'd cough it up. We're not seeing that from Evan Bouchard right now. And that's a big deal when you're uh, contributing to the offense and the power play the way he is. You don't always have to go, yeah, but with Evan Bouchard like you did at one point in his career.
1: Yeah, right, Bouchard's been unreal. He, um, he's he got an 11-game point streak. But it's not just the points. Like his. The thing that impresses me most right now about Bouchard is his ability to be accurate with his shot. Like, you look at the the two goals he scored against Minnesota. Like, his first one, it takes a snapshot. The only place he can shoot is top-side, short-shelf. I mean, uh, top-shelf, short-side. Boom, scores there. Then his second goal, if you watch the, uh, the angle that they have it from the end, he sees his shot. The only side is that side, and that puts it there. Yesterday, he's got a screen. Where can he go? Far side, puts it right there. Like that to me is to be able to one time the shot with that much velocity, but to be that accurate. Because doing it once, yeah, okay, but that's three goals in a row. To me, that's not a fluke.
4: Yeah, you know, and I'm getting a bit generational here. Um, but with Evan, when he when he decides not to not to try and blow it past the goaltender, because we all everybody talks about the bush bomb, uh, he'll use that. St- snapshot he'll use that wrist shot and he is remarkably accurate with that he makes the goaltender have to make a play uh ray bork used to do that some people would say he couldn't break a pane of glass with a shot but if you look at the points he produced he made sure the puck got on the net and the goaltender had to make a save or a defenseman had to make a block evan when he's not uh pounding it uh, is using that wrist shot and putting it on goal, and, and he's scoring on some of those too. So you can't just, you know what, you can't time Evan Bouchard like you can with some pitchers where it's fastball, fastball, fastball. <laughs> There's change-ups in there too, and that makes it tough for the guys defending and the guy in goal.
1: You look, the, the other thing that I've, I've noticed from Knobloch as Robin Brownley joins us is, Especially on the penalty kill. And I crunched all the numbers. I'll have them up in an article tomorrow. But actually, no, I have it up today. If you look at their uh, their penalty killing numbers, he has really decided to just stick with duos and keep them together, right? Like, you know, under nurse, nurse is playing the most in the penalty kill, him and CeCe. Then it's Ekholm and Deharnay. They, they don't have Kulak really rotating in anymore. Uh, before they had Ekholm at 158, Kulak yep. 147, Dayharna 203. So your guys were all playing, but it wasn't always the same guys together. So they've basically said we're going with these two pairs of defensemen for the most part. Kulak obviously plays when there's a, a, a penalty to one of those four or even, you know, maybe depending on, on the shift rotation, maybe he gets in near the end. And then up front, they've went with three groups of two. Ryan and Nugent Hopkins, Derek Ryan yep. that is, Jan, Mark and Brown, McLeod and Fogle. Like, Fogle is playing a minute 39, and the one thing Jay Woodcroft, for whatever reason, Fogle had all these good penalty kill numbers in Carolina, and for whatever reason, Woodcroft just didn't see him as a penalty killer, ever. And uh, Fogle's gone from 19 seconds a game up to a a minute 39, and it's pretty much consistent amongst those top six. We don't see McDavid very often. We don't see Kane. Drysaddle gets a little bit because of his face-offs. But even then, lately, the last few games, it's been down. So I've liked how Knobloch and and Mark Stewart specifically, we should give him credit. He's running the penalty kill, has decided, OK, this is what we're doing. Yep. And if you listen to DeHarnay yesterday, he talked about he wants us to be more fluid, be thinking rather than just be robotic. And if you think you can go, then go. And then the other guy trusts you. But man, the penalty kill, like they shut down the league's best power play yesterday and almost made it look easy at times.
4: You know, it's interesting, Jason, and this is just a theory on my part, but I've, I've, I've seen it, and I've talked to players about it before. And some things are just true in the game. When you when you stick with a group of guys like this, you narrow down the group to those three forward uh, duos you're talking about, in the D-men. I think the players feel like they. They want to take ownership of that particular part of the game. Hey, that's what we do. That's part of our game. Yeah, we're going to play uh, our even strength minutes, but that's our gig. And, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Matthias Janmark play better uh, than he has. Uh, It coincides with the arrival of Knobloch. It coincides with some of the, what I'm calling ownership of the PK. Warren Fogel has been absolutely balls out this, this season um i i just think using them uh like that narrowing it down to that group of guys they know it's going to be them they know they get the tap uh, to go over the boards when it's time to pk and i don't think it's any fluke that it's improved the way it has
1: rob bradley joins us Um, do you think the nhl is ever going to crack down on hits from behind what's it going to take because they eliminated headshots Remember when the chicken wing was flying all over the place in the NHL and guys were just hammering in the head? Well, now they don't. They've gotten rid of it. Why why are they so hesitant to want to crack down on hits from behind?
4: You know what? Every time you ask that question, I try and come up with an answer that makes any sense whatsoever. And, Jason, there isn't one. When are they going to crack down on it? Sadly, I mean, I would love to be proven wrong here, Maybe maybe the crackdown comes when somebody doesn't get up. And I mean never gets up. Um do you need somebody paralyzed on the ice? Uh paraplegic, quadriplegic, you name it. Uh we saw I saw that in junior many years ago with a Regina Pats player uh on the end on the goal line uh simple Garden variety cross check on the numbers into the boards. He was the right distance away, and he never he uh, he never got up again. Um, I don't want to see it, but I mean, haven't we had enough examples where guys get staggering off with the help of the trainers or need to be stretchered off? Um, luckily, that wasn't the case in these hits. But what's the deal here? Like, how is this? A clo- Is this a close call in any way? I don't think so. Are there people that go, "That's that's tough hockey"? <laughs> that's not tough hockey. That's not intensity. That's just dirty, dangerous hockey. It doesn't need to be in the game. So get it out.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, to me, it doesn't make much sense why you would uh, like they reviewed it, and I watched that play. I even oh. re- put it in my article. He clearly hit him right in the middle of the back. In the numbers. I don't know what else you can determine is hit from behind. They gave him a minor penalty, so now he stays in the game. And then Gabranson, you know what? I didn't even have a problem no. with what Gabranson did. First of all, his first five punches were all with his glove on. You're not really hurting the guy doing that. And you know what, cousins, like, yep. hey, man up, man. Like it's a terrible hit. And uh I you know Gabranson's gonna get suspended. And he deserves a suspension because you can't do what he did. But I understand why he did it, and I really don't have an issue mm-hmm. with him doing it. And so, you know, because the league refuses to do it, so the players have to protect themselves later on. It's just dumb. It's such a simple fix. In minor hockey, there's stop signs. Why? Because young kids don't have the great dexterity. Maybe they can't think as quick on their feet, so they're trying to eliminate hits, hits from behind. But the thing is, even in minor hockey, if you do a hit from behind, like it's a double, like it's an automatic, it's a bigger punishment in minor hockey. Than it is in the NHL, and I think it's great that it is in minor hockey. Don't get me wrong, but the NHL, like my goodness, just call the rule, enforce it, and suspend some players. Give them game misconducts, and then eventually the players will figure it out, just like they have with headshots.
4: No argument here, Jason. It it doesn't need to be in the game. It adds nothing. It's not tough. It's dumb. It's dangerous. Get it out of the game. I would love to pick up the phone and call. Well, you're not going to get a straight answer out of head office because this has been a subject for a long, long time. So do something about it. Gary, everybody in charge of player safety, it's not selling you any tickets. It's not making you any money. So do something about it.
1: Rubes, have a good one. We'll talk to you later this week. Okay, man. See you later. That's uh, Robin Brownley, a.k.a. Ruben Bronte from Oilers Nation. Uh, Andy Petrello will uh, join us a little earlier on the show next. Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Welcome back. Monday edition of the Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Oilers Nation YouTube. How are you? We are up to $5,000 now on our uh, month of giving package today, which, of course, uh, this one comes in from Trent. Bit of 5K. It's the sweet... For 12 for the Oilers Kraken game on Thursday, January 18th, includes the two parking passes and $750 in uh, food and and beverage credit in the suite that night. So have a good time. You know what I'm saying? So that's all included. So a pretty good bargain right now for Trent at 5K. You can text in 833-401-1440 or call Connor at the same time number 100 percent of the revenue going towards the christmas bureau we're gonna get to cam tate in a sec but first we uh, welcome in as we get to the uh, footy report brought to you by legacy heating and cooling home with no payments no interest for one full year on your furnace go to legacyheating.ca andy petrillo joins us a little earlier big uh, christmas party to go to andy oh big uh, kind of a big deal on a monday
5: yeah, I got my, uh, I don't know if you can see my little Santa Claus earrings yeah, on. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm getting a little bit in the Christmas spirit. I'm hosting some people. Actually, a little bit of a humble brag, but I'm, and it's not even have anything to do with me. It has to do with a friend of a friend. But I, I'm i hosting people. They're Broadway actors from the play Ain't Too Proud, which is all about the temptations. And anyways, it's an incredible play uh, traveling around Canada. They're here oh, in Toronto. Okay. And, um... I'm going to ask for a private performance. I've got my piano all tuned up. I can't wait for them to sing and dance for me. So I'm actually very excited about tonight.
1: Now, um, And it's coming up that time of year, the uh, Canadian uh, uh, Male and Female Athlete of the Year and, uh, I'm pretty sure you vote on it. Let's see. Yeah. Now you, you vote on both, correct? What's, uh, what now? And you cover yeah. a lot of the, uh, you know, the sports outs, like obviously you follow the NHL and everything else, but you call, call a lot of skiing and, and, and mm. soccer and lots of the other athletes, Olympians and stuff like that. So, uh, pretty well versed in it. Uh, how difficult was the voting this year for you?
5: Oh, man. I mean, it's 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 I I will say it's not as tough as what, um you know, the there are other people who are part of a board that vote on the Northern Star Award, formerly Lou Marsh. As we know, today it was announced. Shea Gilgis Alexander, the basketball player, Mm -hmm. He ended up winning Canada's athlete of the year. They have to go through like a slew of people. But you're right. Like even in the world of soccer, that's what's beautiful about the growth of the game in this country is now you just kind of have this pool of players to really choose from. It was almost like a given that every year on the men's side, it was going to be Atiba Hutchinson and it was going to be Christine St. Clair. And I would say the last probably five years, it's really been mixed up, right, between Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David on the men's side. They've really, you know, mixed things up on the women's side. Jesse Fleming, Kadisha Buchanan. And I think once again, Jason, this year, it's 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 a, it's going to be really tough. I think I know where I'm leaning towards. I think on the women's side for 2023, so you take into consideration what they've done for the national team and what they've done at the pro level. I have to look at Chloe Lacasse, the forward. Uh, this is a player who became a household name in the year of 2023 with the national team. She started as a bench player. She came off the bench in those three games at the World Cup. Everyone was screaming for her to be a starter because every time she came on, she changed the dynamic and complexion of the game. She's speedy. She knows how to set up goals. She knows how to score goals. And then she did. She became a starter. And Bev Priestman relied on her heavily, in those two qualification games against Jamaica for the Olympics. So that's what she's done on the national team at the pro level. Benfica, she played in the in the Portuguese league where she won the title. She was scoring all kinds of goals for them and then ultimately caught the eye of Arsenal and made the move. So Chloe Lacasse is going to be my choice on the women's side. The men's side is where it's a bit of a toss-up. Alistair Johnston, the right fullback, made the move to Celtic. He, too, went on and won the treble with them. He's been a stalwart. He's been a starter. He's now a fan favorite over there. Um, And we know that he's been relied upon heavily with Canada. But I think where I'll go is probably in the midfield with Stefan Stacchio. Mm. He, too, has done great things with Porto uh, in the Portuguese League. Uh, They, too, ended up winning a trophy. He's still competing in in UEFA Champions League. It looks like Porto's going to move on. That's a massive tournament. And I think with Atiba Hutchinson stepping away and retiring, you know, I when he hasn't been in the lineup, we notice that hole in the center of the pitch. So to me, he's just so crucial uh, to the success of this, you know, men's national team. So I think I'm going Chloe LaCasse and Stephanie Stacchio. All
1: right. Um, the Columbus crew just won the uh, MLS. Uh, Mo Farsi. Um,
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host.
1: Who once played in the CPL, is he kind of the poster boy for CPL players to make the move to MLS? I would say yes.
5: And there have been players before him, as we know. I mean, Joel Waterman, you know, huge when he made the leap from CPL to MLS. Um, you know, Jonathan Sirwa as well, a goalkeeper. Um, there are other players, Lucas McNaughton. I, I can go and talk about the players who have been sprinkled in. But Mo Farsi is now the one who made the move. He was also named in 2021 in the CPL the Canadian under 21 player of the year makes the move to MLS and now becomes an MLS champion played significant minutes for the Columbus crew as well. So it's not like he was a bit player. And, and I think, you know, before even joining the CPL, Jason, a few years before that, he was in league one, which is the semi-professional league. So yes, skill talent obviously gets you far, but it's the fact that I feel like it's proof that if we create this ecosystem in this country so you have your semi-pros which can feed your you know your, your Canadian domestic league which then your Canadian domestic league can feed bigger leagues obviously your national team I think you're starting to see that and for me Mo Farsi is a really great example of that and again just two years ago Canadian under 21 player of the year with the CPL now he's an MLS champion like that's that's pretty special. And I think it also speaks to the importance of having these domestic leagues in Canada.
1: Annie Petrillo uh, joins us some road oh, TFC. Uh, how much do they miss their old GM aschenko uh, like, you know, like I know, Like, I know it's uh, been a few years, but they haven't been the same since he left. Does, does he not no. get enough credit for that? And I'm not saying they'd necessarily bring him back, but did they like, is that overlooked a little bit for that organization?
5: You know, I think maybe to the casual fan who's looking at TFC's absolute fall from grace, they might be sitting there going, well, what happened? The diehards know exactly what happened. And that was when Tim Bezbachenko left. Uh, This is somebody who put together an incredible team with Toronto FC. That isn't to say he didn't have some misses. Of course. You know, I mean, he brought in, you know, Jermaine Defoe, and it's like, whoopsie, that didn't work out. But he's the one who brought in Bradley. He's Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, Sebastian Javinko, Marky Delgado. Like, he he creates an identity, and, and, and I feel like this is a conversation, Jason, as you know, that can be had across any league, any sport. You have a GM, we have great leadership, and they have an identity. They start to bring in players who fit that identity. And oftentimes that... That doesn't mean you bring in the best player in that position because the best player in position X may not mesh with the best player in position Y. So he actually brought together people who not only made sense skill wise, but they made sense culturally off the pitch and they go on and they win the 2017 MLS cup. He goes on over to Columbus. He's an Ohio boy. Uh, I do think MLS MLS MLSC though should have worked harder Mm-hmm. to keep him. I think they felt like they were in good hands with Bill Manning. Sadly, we all know where, where that has led Toronto FC. Yeah. But he goes on over to Columbus, won the MLS Cup with them in 2020, and now does it again. And he had to make some moves as well with this Columbus crew team. So his fingerprints are all over it. So he's a three-time MLS Cup champion as an executive. Yeah. I most definitely think if you're a TFC fan, you're sitting there going, we should have tried harder to keep him.
1: And, you know, it's funny because you look at all the ties in Canada to Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. They had uh, uh, Wilfred Nuncey, who was the uh, the first blackhead coach to get the MLS title, and he was in Montreal. And now I, I don't know how much of a bidding war it was, Nancy. Uh, Andy, I don't know, you know. Could they have kept him? Did they work hard enough to keep him as a regret? Or did he just go to a place that had a lot of talent?
5: I think it's a combination of both, but I think that's also it speaks to the troubles of even CF Montreal. You have an ownership group who doesn't want to spend money, an ownership group where they were losing great players. I just mentioned Alistair Johnson playing with Celtic. And, you know, obviously, he's a guy that uh, the Canadian national team relies on. He was on CF Montreal. Ismail Kone was on CF Montreal. You know, you got Joel Waterman. You also have Kamal Miller. Um, You know, with the exception of Waterman, uh, you know, it's just everyone else has moved on. And they didn't replace them. And if you're a head coach, obviously, there's complete and utter frustration there. Um, So he goes on over to Columbus, which, by the way, I think in MLS is probably ranked 12th when it comes to even their budget. So it's not like they completely... You know, open up the bank accounts either, but they're smart with their spending. They get the right players. They have the right system. And I think Wilfred Nancy and Tim Bezbachenko were clearly on the same page with a lot of things. But, you know, I think, um, I think it's, you know, if you're CF Montreal, the fans in particular, you're, you're extra upset. This is a guy, by the way, who was an assistant coach to Thierry Henry. So whoever thought that when Thierry Henry would leave, Wilfred Nancy would step in and he would try to work wonders with this Montreal team. Of course, he didn't really have the backing of ownership. So now he leaves and now you look at what he's capable of doing. And yeah, I think it's pretty special. You know, the first black head coach, there's been a lot of assistant coaches um, who, who, who have won it, but he's the first black head coach to win the MLS title. So he's also proving that he's a very valuable head coach.
1: Andy appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the Christmas party tonight. Uh, yeah. do, do you have any special uh, Christmas <laughs> beverage that you supply?
5: Well, we are actually putting together a signature cocktail which can also be a mocktail however which way you want to put it. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know. My husband's the mastermind in that. He was like dehydrating limes and lemons <laughs> and now he's got these like special cherries oh, that he wow. bought from a way too way too expensive store, Jason. Yeah, yeah. But uh He's creating some sort of, I don't know, tonic with pomegranates and rosemary and You're, something special. Oh,
1: so you just show up to drink it. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's
5: nice. exactly it's it. my just strategy. Just put it in my hand. I'm good to go. It's my strategy all the
1: time. I like it. Okay, Andy, well, have a great one. We will chat with you next Monday. See you later. That's uh, Andy Petrillo from uh, CBC and One Soccer. It's uh, 2.57. Hey, by the way, it's belated day, but uh, happy 65th birthday to our man Cam Tate, who uh, was uh, celebrating, and shout out to the uh, the orders. They uh, they surprised. They gave Tate a really good uh, birthday yesterday with his family and everything. At the game was uh, was great for him, and I uh, got to meet his family. Had a really good time. Uh, Cam Tate, of course, joins us uh, every Monday and Friday for the two minute warning. For those who don't know, Cam has been a longtime reporter in the city. He has a cerebral palsy. He's a, he's in a wheelchair, and um, you know you can understand Tater. As I've gotten to know him for many years, but uh, for being on radio. It would be a struggle. But the wonders of technology now, through Voicebox, we allow the two-minute warning with Cam Tate.
0: Thanks there. Bye, Jay. Love the month of giving. And today, you are helping one of Edmonton's crown jewels, the Christmas Bureau of Edmonton. Thank you so much. Fast Eddie. Here reading the words of what's-his-name, Cam Tate. Christmas is for children. The presents and the stockings and the sleigh rides and everything else on the wonderful day. In Sunday's Edmonton Oilers... Four, one win over the New Jersey Devils, seven in a row, baby kids were a part of the game. A big part from a young boy doing the public address announcer's duties to a young girl singing both national anthems before the game. And did you see that young boy on the Jumbotron as game day host and the television reporter? Tell you what, check out the Oilers' Twitter feed to get the names and ages of all these amazing kids and what they did during the game. The Oilers deserve a boatload of credit for how they involved kids and let them do jobs, perhaps. They've always wanted to. Now, the offshoots are limitless. Think of the confidence it will give each of those kids. Quite the resume entry, too. A favorite part of every hockey game is the ride home. And, but those conversations parents have, talking about the right way to shoot from the point, or again, how to forecheck, or again, how to find a man open in the slot. There could have been other conversations about how to announce the starting lineup. Or how to do a television interview on the Jumbotron, or any other task. Oh, I forgot the junior mascot. The kids did. And how that can inspire so many. Yes, hockey is a game, but there are so many other tasks away from the ice people are involved in. The Edmonton Oilers show to Sunday Christmas is a time for kids and wrapped gifts of hope and potential for them. Please consider contributing to the Christmas Bureau today. The two-minute warning with Cam Tate, Monday's is Jason Greger Show, Sports, 1440.
1: It is great for the Christmas Bureau. They help a lot. And, uh, you know, yesterday was probably, uh, that young girl, and uh, she could sing. Whoo! What a set of pipes on her. And uh, very poised. Like, just very, uh, as, you know, you, sometimes you could just respect the abilities of, of people that you know, like, hey, I don't have that ability. So I always have the respect for people who can. And uh, it was, my son was 10, and uh, he was sitting in the crowd with, with my wife. And when we're at home, I like, so I'm in the press box, so I see them again after the game. And the first thing he says to me, Dad, did you see the girl singing? And, you know, she was 10, same just he was like, Did you, did you hear her sing, Dad? <laughs> so I was just like, yeah. So it was kind of, a, you know what? It was fun. He was, he's in the crowd watching. And I asked him, I was like, well, there, was there something you'd like to do? He goes, well, I wouldn't want to do the singing, Dad, but he had, uh, you know, thought uh, he really liked the, uh, the young lad who was announcing the goals. He was pretty, pretty energetic. So, uh, that was great. And uh, the in, uh, in game host. And uh, so, you know what, I think it gives kids uh, because I remember asking him last year and he was like, oh, no, I'd never want to do any of that. But uh, now suddenly a year later, he was like, oh, so I said, well, next year, maybe I put your name in the hat to see. So it's fun for uh, all those kids to have that opportunity. They obviously come pretty prepared, which is great. And uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity for youngsters to see what uh, she can do. Yeah, the, the anthem singer. Yeah, guys, I was at home. It was amazing. So I was on Sportsnet from uh, Mother Seducer. So there you go. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I think
3: she got some intermission time as well with Gene.
1: Oh yeah, see, I, don't yeah. S- I don't see the intermission. <laughs> so uh, with me and Gene, I like it. A uh, quick break when we return. A little update on Dylan Holloway, the kneecap issue. That's coming up uh, next after Connor Halley and a Sports 1440 update. Brought to you by. B-I-E Engineering, specializes in all the residential, commercial, and industrial, structural engineering needs. Go to B-I-E-E-N-G dot com.